Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Suddenly Psychic. Ooh. Um, it's spooky season uh, still, and we're so, so freaking excited today for our guest. Ooh, Emily, who's our guest? I know. Lily Ludwig. I'm over here cheesing, but you can't see me. Well, Welcome, Lily. We're so excited, Lily. You. Thank um, you for having me. Oh my God, Lily, we're so excited. And Lily's also went, we just went through 20 minutes of technical difficulty, if anyone's <laughs> wondering. So Lily's been extremely patient. So we thank her. And um, for those of you who don't know, Lily is an animal communicator. Um, and her goal, uh, per your Instagram, Lily, I'm pulling it from there, but helping right. humans and their animals find greater harmony and connection um, and also supporting the matriarchy. I love that. Word. So. Yeah. Lily's amazing. <laughs> We've both had readings. Emily and I have both done readings with Lily for pets. Oh, Mine was for Fatty, um, who had passed away. She passed away like five years ago, just about. And Emily, who did Lily read for you? Oh, all of our animals. We started off with Wahoo because he's our problem child. And then we <laughs> chatted with Henry and a little bit with Inky and also with our ferrets, which was awesome. And I think that that was our like wow moment was... I don't know if you remember this, Lily, but you asked if Pinto had a like a shorter lifespan than normal ferrets. And my we were both like our mouths were open. We're like, what? How does oh. she know that? <laughs> he had made a joke about maybe that was his last move because he didn't like moving or whatever. Oh. Um, but yeah, because we he, yeah, he's had some health problems. So he's also a dramatic individual, to be extremely clear. Oh, of course. It's both of our ferrets are Bring so in the drama. Louis literally looks dead every time he sleeps. He's like, that's kind of the, the ferret way though you know it's like all all drama all theatrics all the time their yes. bodies are 90 percent drama for sure absolutely we yeah i love them well <laughs> we this is all to say that we've been obsessed with lily for a long time so we're kind of being creepy fans on this particular um, oh my episode, gosh thank you guys we think you're amazing so lily tell us oh and we should mention that lily is grace's sister and we've talked about grace before because she's um our teacher from our class that we took together and so we're just like psychic family like super excited this is also awesome so lily i want to hear everything so tell us whatever you want about you we want to know how you got into animal comms your journey blah 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 tell it tell us everything Absolutely. Yeah. So I do animal communication, which is a little bit different than like traditional psychic work. So what the, the type of animal communication that I do really takes place on earth in the earth realm compared to a lot of psychic work, which is kind of elevating your vibration to talk to higher vibra vibrational frequencies. So with animals, they're earthly beings having an earth experience and you have to be really grounded if you want to understand them. Um, I do work with animals in spirit, animals who've passed away. And I still consider that a little bit different than like traditional mediumship because I don't raise my vibrational frequency to like the heaven realm to talk to them. I, I think of it as like they're meeting me halfway. So I raise my vibration and they come down to earth. And then we have this communication about their earthly body, about the experiences that they had on earth. And they're pretty limited in what they'll talk to me about as far as the afterlife goes. Like they'll, they'll answer some of my questions really, it seems like kind of just to humor me, but we, we stay pretty earthbound, pretty grounded. Um, so that's what I do. 
and what's maybe different than like traditional psychic work or psychic mediumship. I, you know, when I, throughout my journey, I've like dabbled in some of that stuff. And when I first started my business, I would do more of that with animals, but I've found in listening to them as my guides and my teachers that they really want me on earth. They want me doing earthly work with them, talking about what it feels like to be in their bodies, what it feels like to be an earthly being. So that's kind of where I've settled in the work that I do. Um, so yeah, that's that's like my, I guess, genre of animal communication. Um, in addition to animal communication, I'm also a horse person. I'm a bunny person, which are kind of two... I would say pretty distinct like communities in the animal world and I'm a chihuahua mom now so I'm also a chihuahua person that's right you have your doggo which is also I would say a distinct um community in the animal world but really because of what I do I feel like I get to bear witness to so many different types of animal people and and like just there's so many different communities and little pockets of animal people out there in the world. So those are like, when I introduce myself now, I, I define myself as like my personal pocket of the animal community, but I, I feel like I get to kind of see all of them just because of the work that I do. Amazing. So how did you get started like in the very beginning? Yeah, so I've been doing animal communication really my whole life. Um, I have, you know, some of my earliest memories of doing animal communication are because I grew up riding horses. So I would kind of know things about the horses that I was working with before the adults in my life would know them. And that was one of the first times um, I started riding when I was nine. So that was like the first, first memory I have of like really thinking about how I interact with animals and realizing that that's probably different than how other people work with animals. But I grew up in the animal world. So I'd heard of animal communication. Like I'd had adults in my life who had, you know, gotten readings or knew of animal communicators and stuff. So it wasn't like, it wasn't like completely foreign to me, but that was the first time that I kind of remember um, comparing how I work with animals to the way other people do and then realizing like, oh, like I'm probably actually doing animal communication. My sister also reminded me of this story. I like totally forgot about this. And she, she reminded me recently when we were little, probably around the same age, it's probably like nine or 10. We were playing in our neighbor's garden and there was a little chipmunk that got wrapped up in chicken wire. And he was like totally struggling to, to get, a, you know, get unstuck, probably exhausting himself. And I was like, okay, like we got to get him out. We got to save him. And so she went to go pick, uh, get scissors or wire cutters to get him out. And I had picked him up in my hand and I told him like, Hey, it's okay. Like, we're going to get you out, dude. Like, don't exhaust yourself anymore. And he was like, totally still in my hand, like completely just like in the zone with me. And then we cut him out and he was totally still. And I put him down on the ground and he like literally turned around and looked at me and then, like scampered off. Oh so that was another experience as a kid where I was like, okay, this is probably different than what other people are you know, doing in their life. So that was kind of when I when I first started to have an awareness of animal communication and use it. Um, but then I was still like growing up. So I I throughout my childhood and my teenage years, I would get really into animal communication and like practice it a lot and then kind of move away from it and just have like human experiences like growing up and figuring out what life is. Um, another 
really big moment in just like my spiritual development as a whole. My mom passed away when I was a teenager. So that was a time of my life where before she passed away, I was really um, in the human experience, kind of, you know, as, as a teenager. And then my mom passed away and, and really that changed my spiritual development, not so much for animal communication, but that was, you know, I'd done animal communication before, and then I was starting to put animal communication into a spiritual context around that time of my life. And then I took another break from um, really animals in general when I, I went to college and studied writing. And I did that for two and a half years and really I had animals. I had my little bunnies at the time, but I wasn't as involved in animals as I would have wanted to be and had a really, really hard time with that. Um, it was really like mental health, just not doing well. And I had a moment like I was a junior. So I was at that point, three, three years in, I guess. Um, but I had a moment where I was like, I don't think I'm going to make it if I don't get animals back in my life. Like it was just not a good path that I was on, you know, in pursuing thought, thought that I wanted one career and just realized like, I really needed animals to be the focal point of my life. So I kind of like drastically changed my life. I think that a lot of people in my life thought that I was having a little bit of a menti bee, but <laughs> for me, it was about like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna make it if I don't get animals back into my life. So I transferred schools and started studying animals, which was such a good decision for me. Um, I bought my horse, Athena, who's like the coolest guide in my life ever. And um, started doing animal communication again because I had this horse who she came to me with a lot of stuff to work through, emotional stuff to work through. And um, I was like so in over my head with her at the beginning and like didn't know like what what I'd gotten myself into. And I realized throughout that first year with her that I really needed to listen to her if if we were going to get through this together. So the the horse industry is kind of like the Wild West. Like there's there's like a lot of differing opinions. And at the time I was so, you know, just trying to like get my life back on track and listening to like all these different people's opinions. And she was the one who was like, listen, we can't keep doing what everybody else is saying and trying all these different things that, you know, and then abandoning them for what the next person says you should do. And so she really guided me into this place of listening to animals again. Um, and because of that, she like, I got her where she needed to be. And we have a great relationship now because of that time of our lives. And at the time I was working with her, I was, because I was doing animal communication so much with her, I was giving readings to my friends and people in my life just kind of as a something to do, you know, because they saw what I was doing with Athena. And um, I was, a, that was my last year of college and I was kind of thinking about what I wanted to do, you know, after college. And so I started giving readings for money at the time and it, it grew to be kind of like a part-time job while I was finishing up school. And then I graduated um, and I graduated into COVID. So I graduated in 2020 and had like no idea what I was going to do. And I, my plan at the time I graduated was to do my animal communication business part-time and then do, I, there was a couple of things in the animal world I was interested in. I, I settled on equine massage because I didn't think 
that there would be enough interest in animal communication to do it as a full-time job. And by the time, um, by the time I finished, I was like halfway through equine massage training, I was doing animal communication full-time. And I realized at that point, I was like, okay, am I doing massage because I'm really passionate about it or because I think I have to have this to like prove to people that I know enough about horses to, to read for them or whatever. And I realized then that the path that the animals had really set me on was to do this work full time. And honestly, the, since then, um, the more I give to, to the animals and the more I listen to them and the more I like kind of give over the decision-making power to them, the more it works out for me. Like the, the fact that I do this full time, you know, so many people just don't, especially non-animal people, they don't believe that I do this full time because they can't fathom that there would be that much interest in it. But I found that if I just like listen to the animals and like, you know, do what they're telling me to do. And at the time my business was coming together, all my animals in my life were like, you need to be doing this. Like you need to like, why are you putting your energy into other projects and things? Because this is really where you need to be. Um, It's really, it's developed into just such a beautiful part of my life. So that's kind of how I both how I got into animal communication and like the business side of things. Um, but it's, it's really, that's like the long answer. Usually when people ask me, I just say, oh, I've been doing it since I was a kid, which is, that's like the short version, but the long version um, is it's like anything in life. Like I, I picked it up during some seasons of my life, put it down and, and ultimately ended up in this spot where it feels so good to be doing it full time. And so good to have animals just be the focal point of my life. It's a real blessing for people for sure definitely yeah it's so amazing when you're telling the story about the chipmunk I just was like flashing back to being a kid in my own backyard and like pretending to talk to animals and being like trying to do my little Dr. Doolittle shit and being like hmm, this sounds like but it's so interesting and I love that it sort of like came to you in not just naturally but also in the way where you were doing it and you kind of didn't even really think you were doing it and then it was like mm-hmm. this chipmunk was completely listening to you I mean that is fascinating right it's like almost like unintentional but like you you made it happen and that's really really cool I love that um we were curious like I know you said that you sort of had this moment <clears throat> that Grace like reminded you of but then also sort of like using really like a lot of this was communicating with your own animals and especially with Athena, I think um, was like a a big focal point. I know when I follow you, I mean, I follow you on Instagram, but uh, Athena's little like tidbits and like her little, um, her life lessons, just they're so, I swear, they just like hit home. They're so good. Yeah. She's amazing. She's so incredible. I would love to meet her. I feel like she's a sass queen. Like I'm all, I'm all in on Athena. Um, How did it feel when you kind of made this business decision, I guess, like in college to, to try to, you know, try to do readings for, for you and try to sort of like make it into a business? How did it feel to do that transition? Was there anything, um, you know, reading from reading your own animals, maybe more to reading other people's and stuff? Did it feel any different to you? Like, yeah, I'd love to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. That wasn't a friend or just, you know, someone that you knew. Yeah. Yeah, most people who get into animal communication will say that it's easier to read for animals they don't know than for their animals because there's no like emotional bias. Like you're not emotionally invested in the outcome, um, which 
I struggle with a little bit because I'm always emotionally invested. Like I care about all animals, you know, even, even the ones I don't know. But for me, because the, my animals really guided me into it. I was so much more experienced at reading mine and understanding mine, which I think actually helped me with the transition into reading for others because the hardest, well, maybe not the hardest, but one of the most challenging aspects of any type of channeling is learning to discern what's a message versus what you just think or feel or want to be true. But because I'd been practicing with my animals so long, I had the feel down so comfortably. Like I, I, I understood what was a message versus what I just wanted to be true. So comfortably, almost like muscle memory. Like it was just, it's something that I didn't have to think about quite as much when I started reading for other people's animals. So that I think helped me a lot, but of course, like, it's like anything, like I'm still human. Of course I had like anxiety when I was making that transition. I think the first, you know, probably 50 readings I gave for people I don't, I don't know, or I didn't know their animals. Um, it, it would begin with like me being really nervous, really feeling like, oh my gosh, like what if, what if this is like not right for what if I am ruining my life, which I had a lot of anxiety about when I was finishing up school because all my friends were going into more, um, I don't know, more of the professional world with animals. Um, but I found that once I started channeling, it really, it, it, it's like, it's like talking to an old friend. Like it was just something that I felt so comfortable for me and so right that I, I would be nervous leading up to the interaction. And then as soon as I started, it was like, the animals were like, we got your back. Don't worry about it. Like we got it. So it, at the beginning, it was nerve wracking for sure. And, um, you know, I'll be honest, it's easier to read for people now that I have a bunch of testimonials and people who have worked with me and said, you know, that they had this really good experience because as much as I would like to think that like I'm not impacted by my ego at all, I am still a human and I, I care about the people I work with, if they're having a good experience with the service that I'm offering. Um, so I think that that honestly helps a little bit too. But at the beginning, like when you don't have as much experience and you don't have loyal clients who have, you know, have good things to say about your service, there is there is a part of you that really just has to trust that you are on the right path. And I think, I think because I had so much support from the animals in my life and so much like push to do it, that that made me feel comfortable exploring it but there was a time like seriously when I was trying to decide like if I wanted to pursue this professionally the animals were like throwing it in my face like this is what you have to do like I, I in some ways I felt like it wasn't really a choice um where we, we were Melody you were talking earlier about the but you were saying earlier that you you know it reminded you of like being a kid and like talking to animals in your backyard and stuff but I was like literally having experiences where I I would like go home to visit my dad when I was in school and he you know like the backyard space is pretty open at that house and I would like see I would like be standing at the back of the house and see like a bunch of squirrels and birds and little critters like hanging out and I would feel from them like this was a sign you know I'd be like thinking all day like what am I going to do after graduation and I would see all these little critters and be like okay is this a sign and then I would walk from the back of the house to the front of the house and look out at the front yard. And literally, I would see birds flying over the roof, landing in the front yard, little squirrels, little bunnies, like all like 
coming to the front of the house to just like bear witness to it's like some full-on cinderella shit you are a disney princess is what i'm getting from this yeah (laughs) so so at the time i was like okay i feel like these animals are telling me like you have to do this so that helped with some of like the nerves and that stuff too I love that so much. Like definitely like a big topic that Emily and I talk about regularly is imposter syndrome or not being really sure if we're, even when we're doing stuff and we're like, you know, we both have plenty of um, practice now with different random like friends, but also just like people we do not know and coming up with information that we have no business knowing, like essentially proof that yeah. we are doing what we think we're doing. And yet I will still sit here and be like, I don't know. I think I'm making um, it up. <laughs> it's like yourself. Yeah. It's like the most soul healing experience too, because as women, we are so used to doubting ourselves, even in fields where there is like quote proof, like you, you can go through the certain level of training and prove yourself. Right. But in this field, there's even less like external factors to prove your worth. And so to be in, to be in a field where like not just to not just be doubted by, you know, other people who maybe don't value your abilities, but really like there's whole communities out there who think that what we do is like bad or um, demonic or like scary you know you're in this position where you have to really really trust yourself and I think as women you know you write in my bio I'm supporting the matriarchy like there's a there's a very real soul-fulfilling experience where you can trust your intuition and go out into the world and say no this is what I feel and I don't know you know I'm not claiming that this is truth maybe it will mean something different out there to the people that I'm reading for but this is what I feel. And then to get the feedback and the validation of like, yeah, that was right. Like, yeah, nobody else knew that except for me or, you know, whatever there. I think that is such a healing experience for women, especially to go through and to, to get to like, be good with yourself and good with trusting yourself in a world that doesn't socialize us to trust ourselves, you know? Absolutely. I 100, like everything you're saying, totally agree. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of your actual readings like thinking about so this is we're, we're kind of also asking like business questions on our own behalf totally. and hopefully <laughs> on behalf <laughs> of folks out there who might be trying to do the same thing and, and interested um so I know you talked a lot about wanting to feel fully grounded and with animals it's not necessarily like and I actually completely agree with you that talking with animals feels really different than talking with people um and you know talking with meaning like reading or whatever mm-hmm. but I think curious to know like what do you do what's your ritual like pre pre pre-reading in session how do you kind of ground and get in the zone um I'd love to hear about that because I love hearing about what different people do to to get into that so I know what I do but I'm always looking for other options (laughs) totally yeah it's kind of changed over the years right now my routine um I channel in the room that my bunnies live in so this is really their house I just borrow it for a few hours during the day so my the first thing I do is I, I like to do all of my bunny chores especially if I have time to do all my pet chores for the day I like to do them first just as a way to Um, one, just like get it out of the way. So I don't have to worry about it after work, but two, to kind of symbolically demonstrate to them, like I'm in your space and I'm going to give to you and and tend to you before I borrow your space. So I do all my 
funny chores for sure. If there's time, I do my puppy chores as well. Um, and then I really, I just meditate. I've been really into meditation lately. There's been times of my life where meditation, just sitting and meditating hasn't worked for me, but I'm in a season where it's very much working for me. So I'll literally sit and clear my mind um, for as long as I really, as long as I can before I have to like actually get into professional work mode. And then when I'm done meditating, I'll say a prayer up to my guides, ask them to protect the space, protect my clients, um, facilitate communication that serves the highest and greatest good of all humans, animals involved in the readings. And that's kind of my like, that's like my clearing my mind, clearing the space, just getting prepared. Then I go through, I read through all the intake forms that I have for the day in case there's just anyone that like doesn't seem like it's going to be a good fit or I'm not able to help them with what they're looking for. Um, and on the intake form, I ask people what their intention is just as a way to get a feel for if I'm able to help them. Because sometimes people come to me with stuff that I just can't help with. Um, so I do that just as a really as a human way to prepare myself for the day. And then I go in and do my readings. That's my like my beginning beginning of the day routine. Uh, I love that. Emily is really good with that. Emily, what you have, like, you do a lot of great meditation. I'm like the worst meditator of all time. It can be really hard. And and there's been whole periods of my life where I like, I can only do a walking meditation or it just doesn't. Sometimes sitting is like excruciating. <laughs> sitting with, with nothing is excruciating. So I feel like that's valid. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes it's just finding different ways of trying different meditations. Like you said, walking meditation can be really nice. Sometimes I forget how nice it is just to walk the dogs with no phone, no headphones, like no. just really like one day we were walking, you know, and down the country road. And if I would have been not paying attention, I would have missed seeing a bear. Like, cause I looked mm -hmm. up, we looked at each other and then he, he or she probably, she, went back off into the woods and I'm like if I would have been like looking down or looking you know not paying attention I would totally miss that moment and there's lots of little moments like that so even just driving sometimes trying not to listen to music or anything just be there what am I seeing and feeling and it helps so much with anxiety too totally totally as an anxiety girly I approve that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think I'm so, I, I love that I'm gonna start calling myself an anxiety girly rather <laughs> that's amazing yeah. <laughs> I think the first time I ever heard that was Lily's on your story or something. And I was like, that's so great. And now I'll say that and my kids crack up because they're closer to your age than, well, whatever. They're like night 20, almost 20 and 22. So close to your age, I guess. Um, George has joined the conversation just to be clear. This is oh, my, he's a dog in a cat's body. So I, I call him my dog because it's just, that's more accurate yeah. for him. Um, but he will always <laughs> be here. So the, so our, our tagline um, in general has for our podcast is everyone's okay and no one's mad at you. Cause I think when we, especially <laughs> when we, especially when we do uh, readings for folks who are talking to um, human beings who have passed, like a lot of them are connecting and want to connect. And I, I actually think I did this with you, Lily, with Fatty. I wanted to see if she, I thought she might be mad at me for like keeping her around for too long when she wasn't feeling well and stuff. So we're always saying that essentially like nine times out of 10, everyone's okay and no one's mad at you but we're curious from your perspective like are pets okay are they mad at you have you ever talked to one who's just like you know what f you owner like we're... <laughs> I would say in general animals are okay and they're not mad at you I've read for 
um, a handful in my career who were not vibing with their family. Um, and I've read for a lot of animals who maybe felt that their humans were treating them unfairly, but they weren't mad. They were maybe confused or upset, but not mad. Um, and then I've read for even more animals who their humans definitely were treating them unfairly. And the animals were like, that's my person. I love them. I understand why they do the things that they do. So in general, they're okay. They're not mad at you. I've read for a few that were disappointed. Kind of, It's kind of like disappointed, not surprised vibes, if that means anything to you. Um, but, you know, a lot of them just, they love their people. They want their humans to be happy and to do what feels right for them. And when I'm talking about people treating their animals unfairly, um, I'm talking about stuff that probably most people who who love their animals wouldn't do to their animals. Things that, in my opinion, are, are pretty unfair to the animal. So I'd say it's just like, just like human relationships, like, you know, humans will get in really unhealthy relationships with people who treat them badly and still love them and want the best for them and want sure. to work through those issues. So a lot of times there it's situations like that, but of the time of the animals I've worked with who were not um, thrilled with their living situation, I would say those, those situations were pretty bad and, and uh, the humans, I think also were not vibing with the animal in those situations. <laughs> Well, how do you handle that gracefully? I mean, how much, you know, like how much do you share of that if someone has an unhappy animal or an animal that just maybe really just needs, they're just not a good fit or they're unhappy? Because I imagine that would be hard to tell somebody like your cat's miserable or, you know, your. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I'm honest about everything. I might change the way that I deliver something based on. The person that I'm talking to or what they've another another question on my intake form is I ask people if there's any subjects they want me to be sensitive towards that could be potentially triggering so depending on that information I'll change the way I present something but I'm always honest um and in the times that I've worked with animals who were not thrilled with their people the, the people knew they yeah. <laughs> yeah. and I yeah. always you know I've worked with animals who are open to being rehomed and open to finding other living situations. And that's something that if I ever feel like I'm going into a reading where that could be a, a discussion, I ask the people at the beginning, like, where are you at with the concept of rehoming? Because some people it's like non-negotiable. They don't want to go there at all. And other people are like, yeah, I'm trying to get rid of this one. Like this, this one's not a good fit. So I like to know where they're coming from too. And that, that just, just changes the way that I present the information. But there's been um, very, very few times that I've felt like I was going to crush someone's interpretation of their animal. Very, very few times. Usually I'm just confirming stuff that they already know or they already feel. And in the times that I have, um, you know, felt like this might be a difficult one for someone to understand, I just, I, I let them know like, hey, this might be a little bit heavy. Are you open to it? And they always are. They all, you know, people who come, yeah. they want to know what their animals have to say. And and we just handle it, you know, with sensitivity, just like just like you would in any other conversation with someone yeah. if you're bringing something up that could be heavier to hold. No, that makes total sense. Yeah, I was um you were making me think about when you said rehoming, I was thinking about how um 
a lot of our pets come to us from another home, like, especially if you get a shelter pet. And I, I was curious if like, I mean, my boys, for example, I think I got them when they were about three and four. I don't know anything about where they lived before. And I'm, I've, I sometimes just wonder, especially in the beginning, it felt more to me like they missed their family, which made total sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and over time, like now it's been five years. I mean, they're, I think they're pretty chill, but my one boy is really, he's a sensitive boy, Biff. And I sometimes feel like he's wistful and it's kind of mm-hmm. interesting. And I'm curious, like if you've, um, if pets have talked to you much about like their kind of full lifetime, like, yeah, yeah. A lot of them do. And a lot of people who have rescues want to know. So they'll ask, you know, to, to do that. Um, so yeah, it's, it's pretty common. A lot of people think that, you know, they'll say like, oh, if it's too sensitive, then they don't have to talk about it. But if, if you've ever met someone who's like been through some stuff in life, they're usually like super open to talking about <laughs> yeah. it. Animals are the same way. I've, I've worked with very few who are like, ooh, that's triggering. I don't want to go there. Uh, it's happened, but very, very few. So yeah, a lot of them will talk about life before. Well, it's so interesting when you're also when you were talking about kind of <clears throat> like animals sharing certain things with you and being like a little less open about necessarily like what's life like on the other side. But I, I think Emily and I have both had this experience where like, animals are just easier to communicate with like they're so direct and yeah. it, and I, I love that about them and the other thing that I think is kind of interesting is like <clears throat> it doesn't really take much for an animal to to kind of start telling you stuff in my and so mm-hmm. an example is I think I mentioned this on the podcast maybe last episode but I had to take George for an ophthalmology appointment and the all it really takes these days is for someone to mention their dead pet around me like mm-hmm. they'll just be like I had a cat and I'm like oh no here we go yeah. and this animal will just show up right mm-hmm. and be like hey what's up and I'm like okay not right now but they're so ready because there's a loyalty yeah. that I feel like is very very um specific to animals yeah I would curious, agree like yeah, yeah how do you like navigate that or tune that out when if like let's say you're just like out to dinner and someone's like my dog you're just like oh god <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's half I mean it happens I find that if I'm channeling like if I'm working full-time I find that I'm usually so tired by the end of the day that they don't they don't want to come through because they know I'm, I'm not like I'm not going to hold the space that they need it, it'll come through like yeah. you know a message here a message there and then they're like okay wait Lily's tired well I'll, I'll try again later so it's if, if I'm working consistently, it's usually not, it's not ever to the point that it's like taking away from my human experiences. Um, when I go on vacation though, that's when they come through. That's when, because I'm not, if I'm not channeling three hours a day and I'm, you know, well-rested and like super ready to receive the messages, that's when it's a little bit harder to just, I don't even want to say it's hard because they're, they're so receptive. And if I tell them like, Hey guys, yeah. not right now. I'm in the middle of something. They're, they're super respectful. Um, so if, if as long as I'm working full time, it's usually not an issue. There will be times where, for some reason, they'll show up in my dreams a lot. I I think because if again, if I'm working a ton and I'm so tired by the end of the day, I can feel them sometimes. Like I'll go out, say I'll go out to dinner and I can feel someone coming through, and then I'm like I'm like oh I just want to focus on my food, and they kind of go away. Then I'll get them that night. They'll come back when yeah. I'm like rest resting and ready for them. So it happens. But again, if I if it was really taking away from my experience, I would just tell them like to go away. And as long as I can comfortably channel, I'll do it because it's not it doesn't take away for me to just like listen to something for a couple minutes. 
that really made me think of a question that we were going to ask as well about like, for example, so my husband was telling his coworkers, you know, that I was practicing doing this. So of course I got a bunch of his coworkers mm -hmm. to practice with. And what I've noticed that I don't know if this is maybe not like quote unquote shutting down at the end of a session, or if it's just my process of getting better, clearer communication, but I'll, you know, sit and intentionally reach out to the animal and try to communicate and ask the questions. But then what I was noticing was then we would, you know, I would end the session, at least in my mind. And then later on that evening, more information sort of keeps dripping through. Like, mm -hmm. you know, and I don't, sometimes I think that's me and maybe the animal just getting more comfortable with each other. Because it, when I talk to Melody's cat, George, and Biff, especially like the more I talk to them, the more they're down to talk and just like about whatever, which is funny. So I was just curious, kind of, I guess, how to better get all that information at that time rather than having it kind of drip in for the rest of the day. Does that make sense? Yeah, that that happens to me sometimes. It's what it will be more, it's less like information's dripping in and more like I'll have a moment of, oh, I misinterpreted, I, I said one thing, but they meant something else. And I think that's their way of like, hey, the pressure's off you a little bit more. Like, just so you know, I actually meant this other thing. And then I'll be like, oh my gosh, that's what they meant. So that, that'll that happen sometimes. I think that, I think that it's like any skill or ability, like the more, the more you are exercised in that skill, the more, quote, control you have of the skill. So if an animal feels that like I, you know, hey, this person like has the capacity to hold space for these 10 messages, I'm going to get them all out right now. Whereas with someone who's maybe still developing their skills, I've seen they'll they'll be like, hey, I'm going to give you this right now, but you're going to mess up the other nine messages I have. So I'll, I'll come back when you're ready to handle these a little bit better. And I think that makes sense because it's like, as I relax, then they're like still, you know, giving me information, which is really cool. I got a lot of really good validation. I actually got to talk to a bearded dragon. Really oh, cool. cool. I have no idea how that's going to go. And then I think I told you about the goldfish because that was a funny goldfish. But Oh, cool. I love working with fish. They're always, they always have so much to say too, which is fun. Yeah, super chatty. It was really cute. So that was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, we were also another one. I think we touched on this a little bit ago about knowing if it's you or if it's the animal, because I did one specific reading and I kept just thinking of Jackson Galaxy examples. Um, and I was sharing that with her about her cat. Like I'm having trouble like recalling the exact conversation. And I remember later wondering like if it was just me sharing like, oh, these are some good tips for you. But then she came back at the very, very end and said, oh yeah, when we first got our cat, we did nothing but listen to Jackson Galaxy. Oh my God. And I never had that inkling to say that before. So at the time I was like, Melody, I was like, I don't know. Was that me just giving another cat owner advice like hey go check out this youtube channel or was like i was felt like i was getting the vibe that they had done that you know and she validated it which was cool yeah yeah it's it's probably the when i work with students and and helping them develop their skills that's probably the number one thing people ask is like how do i know what the heck is me versus the animal um and my answer is like super annoying i have the most annoying answer to this ever which is that it's just a feeling and the more you have the feeling developed, the easier it is to tell. So the example I like to use is if I'm thinking about something that makes me anxious, that makes me feel different than when I am trying to do math and I'm thinking about 
the equation in my head. And that feels different than when I am thinking about my grocery list and I'm pulling that up in my mind. And that feels different than when I am um, meditating and that I'm trying to, you know, clear my mind. So all of these things are taking place in the mind. They're, there's, they involve thoughts to some extent, but they feel super, super different. And channeling is the same way. It, it's, yeah. yes, you are thinking the thoughts when you're communicating them, but it feels different than all these other types of like thinking that we do. Yeah. Um, I know some people will say it's a, it's like a top down sensation versus, other thoughts are a bottom up sensation, like feeling anxious is usually starts in your chest and then goes up. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think that that example works for people who are like, they feel a lot of sensation in their body when they're channeling. But yeah, my my annoying answer is it's a feeling and you know it when you know it. When you know, you know. <laughs> when yeah, you know, a, you know. But it's true. <laughs> it's true though. I get that. It's So this actually segues to a question that I'm like dying to ask you, which is <laughs> you're, I know you're very, um, at this point, you're so professional that you, I bet you don't even have to worry about this that much. But for folks like myself and Emily, who are still in the space where we're trying to sort through and like understand these feelings and and we don't necessarily have like a huge roster of clients or something. We want to practice and we really struggle yeah. with how do we practice, whether it's even with like each other or even on our own. I'm really curious, like, do you have any thoughts or tips or do you even practice still? Do you need to practice? Yeah. Um, my number one advice to anyone who wants to do more animal communication is to spend time with your animals, even if you're not channeling, but just to spend time with them. Because what's unique about animal communication is you really need the context of their life to understand what they're saying. So if you're talking to a dead person, you're a human, this person is human, the context of the messages are mostly similar. Maybe they, you know, maybe they had a different life experience. Of course, they had a different life experience than you, or they were alive at a different time period than you, but you still know what it feels like to be human because we are human. But with animals, there's so much of what they send to us that if you're not, if, if you're not an animal person, it really wouldn't make that much sense. And I've seen really, really gifted readers struggle with animal communication because they don't understand the context of the messages that they're receiving. So for um, uh, for a reactive dog, this is just like a really common example, the experience of, of being reactive, a lot of people, a lot of humans will misinterpret that as like, oh, they're just so excited to see that other dog. That's why my dog is barking. But the bodily experience for the dog can feel so, uh, it can range from, a, like a little bit of aggression to like being horrifically scared. And if you don't know the context of that behavior, you would probably think like this animal was abused and like horribly mistreated and like has all of this fear every time they pass, you know, another dog or whatever. So I think spending time with animals creates the context for us to be really, really ready when they do come through. And the cool thing about animal communication is that it happens naturally all the time. So if you're making a point to spend time with your animals every single day, animal communication is gonna happen. They're, they're going to be sending you stuff. You're going to be sending them messages and you'll have this whole bank of knowledge of their life experience to better support the messages that you're receiving. So that's like spending time with your animals, even if it's 
sitting on the floor talking to them, even if it's um, reading a book while they're right next to you. Like that time I think is so valuable to creating a common understanding together. And not only does it help you better understand them, but it helps them better understand you because they're seeing you more, they're bearing witness to you more um, and, and putting the pieces together of what it means to be a human. So that's like my number one advice. And then of course, you know, practicing, practicing with animals you know, practicing with animals you don't know, all of those provide different learning opportunities. So there is something so magical. When you read for an animal you don't know and the human is like, oh my gosh, how'd you know that? Like, it is a very magical experience. It's It definitely gives you that like boost to kind of continue on in your practice. So I think that's valuable, but um, I, I really, really believe there's nothing, there, there's no amount of like meditating or tarot cards or pendulums that can take the place of just being with your animals when it comes to animal communication. That makes total awesome. sense. I feel like these last two years, like since we've been living in a smaller space has completely changed our relationship with our animals. And honestly, I would recommend, I don't know when and if you're doing your class, I'm sure you're doing it, but when you're doing your class again, but I would recommend anybody, whether they want to actually, you know, just do it for their own animals or do it, you know, in a more professional capacity or whatever, take Lily's class, because I think that's changed my relationship with all of my animals. And it certainly helped me so much like Rio, our kitten is the first animal I've gotten new since I take, I took your class and our relationship is just, it's like next level. Like it's just, it's so, yeah, I highly recommend it to anybody. Any oh, animal. Yeah. You. yeah. Thank You're you. an angel. You're an angel. Oh my gosh. Thank you. <laughs> so speaking of which, Lily, what do you have coming up? Um, Class-wise, talk about your different offerings, like promote away. We want, yeah. we want everyone to call you. Uh, yeah, so I will be teaching um, probably in the spring. I took a break from teaching for a while just to focus on private readings because I felt like I was like doing a lot of teaching and then I felt like I had so much, so many animals that needed to work with me. And so I was like, okay, I like take a break from teaching to do private readings. So I'm not teaching again until the spring, but if you would like to follow me on any of my social medias, I will definitely be promoting the course as soon as enrollment for that is available. I'm on Instagram. My handle is kind of long. I didn't think oh, about- we can throw it in the, we'll throw it in the blurb on the, um, okay. under. yeah, don't worry about that. We got that. Things to think about before you go into business. Uh, my handle is Lil Ludwig underscore animal intuitive. And I'm also on TikTok and that is Lil Ludwig. Um, I'm also on Patreon right now. And I don't know when this is coming out, but I my Patreon is fully- uh, all the spots are taken right now, but I'm opening up more spots in November. So that is available for people who want like a little monthly peek into their animals. And then all my private readings, um, you can grab a reading if you're interested. If if you're like animal communication is so cool, I want to hear what my animals have to say. You can book a private reading um, on my website under the booking tab. And that is kind of my offerings right now. And then the course will be coming in the spring. That's awesome. I, yeah, firsthand experience. Lily's incredible. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I would highly recommend to anyone who wants to talk to any of their animals um, with some more help <laughs> that to, to connect with Lily. Thank you very um, much. And yeah, I think George, George and Biff, usually Biff doesn't sit right behind me, but I think he's feeling the good vibes. So he's just like oh. zonked out over here. But um, I got to listen to this conversation. Yeah, he's like, hmm. <laughs> 
I'm intrigued. Um, no, this is so great. Well, Lily, we can't thank you enough for coming on with us today. We're so excited. And we're talking to Grace actually really soon too. So we're really excited Amazing. to have both Ludwig's sisters and thank you so much. And any spooky season plans coming up for you? Are you a spooky season person? I'm a spooky season person. Um, well, we're doing a family costume. So all the animals plus <laughs> my boyfriend, we're all going to be in costume. Actually, everyone but Athena. Athena requested no anymore she's retired from doing costumes Athena's all set with costumes um, so oh family <laughs> so that's kind of our big um our big spooky plans but we're, we're big movie people so we'll do a lot of movies on the couch with with the puppy and all that that sounds perfect I hope I wish you a spectacular end to the spooky season I can't believe it's almost over I know oh I wish you guys a spectacular spooky season are you gonna have a lot of like good mediums and stuff on the show for spooky season yeah we're really excited so coming up we have obviously we have grace so perfect and then um emily who else do we have we have one more person coming on um your friend kelly that's right okay so my friend kelly we um we'd both done readings for her lily and uh for both talking to her cat and also um connecting with her father who has passed so we're gonna have her on to kind of talk about those we did them both separately without sharing any knowledge with each other and then kind of came back to see what we got and so we're gonna it should yeah. be very interesting Amazing. that's super fun an unexpected side of this has been just some growth just personal growth for me because when melody and i started practicing together i was like a nervous wreck and then now we're to the point where i'm like all right i trust her enough so i she had already done the reading with kelly's dad and she asked me to and she didn't tell me you know anything and I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna, I just put it all in a text and I shot it to her. And I'm like, that would have made me like break out no sweat before. And then like five minutes later, she's like, it's all exactly right. Like even like, <laughs> you know, I mean, not to be excited to talk about someone's cause of death, but like sometimes like that was a hard one for me. It's, I can't ever get anything from animals about their previous lives, really. Like they never want to talk to me about that, but yeah. maybe we'll go there. Yeah, it's so. pretty fascinating. So we have, that's what's coming up on the pod. And then personally, just freaking excited i love halloween it's my christmas it's i my gay friends or my lgbtq friends tell me it's gay christmas i wish i could join like they please take me in I, it's my favorite holiday so i have the decorations up i have the full-size candy bars children of my neighborhood stop by you'll get the good candy that's amazing uh, I'm, I'm jealous of people who can hand out candy i live in an apartment so no no one's i know well let me tell you lily i feel your pain i for years of my life i lived on a cul-de-sac that no one ever actually really my whole life i lived on a cul-de-sac when i was a kid no one even set foot there so when i got my house my condo um i'm in like a townhouse I was the only neighbor with the light on. And so I just went buck wild and put like all the decorations. And now some of the neighbors, I think through like transitive property of or guilt or something, put their lights on too. So now we get kids. But the first year I was here, I got like five kids and now I get over 50. So you just got to commit. You manifested <laughs> them. I oh for sure gosh. manifested them. Yeah. A thousand percent. You're right. I That makes me feel better. That makes me feel like I can manifest. This will be this will really test the, the powers of manifestation because I, I live in a neighborhood of young professionals in a building of young professionals. And if I get trick-or-treaters because I manifested all the kiddos from this neighborhood where they don't oh, really great. Live, then the little a outfits are just so funny. Anyways. <laughs> well, it's been a total pleasure. Thank you again. Everyone check out Lily. We'll put Thank in you. all the links and stuff in the notes here. And remember that everyone's okay. And no one's mad at you.
I love it. Bye. Thank you. All right. I'm going to stop the recording. Oh, that was so fun.